Hello and welcome to GP Works, the podcast about and for general practice of the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Joe Gallagher, the ICGP Clinical Lead for Cardiovascular Disease, and in this podcast I'm talking to Dr. Yasser Javid. Yasser practices at Danes Camp Medical Centre in Northampton and is a GP primary care lead for the East Midlands Cardiovascular Network. He developed the Grasp AF Audit Tool, which played an important part in a stroke reduction initiative that has seen emergency hospital admissions for stroke fall. He was awarded Pulse GP of the Year in 2015 for this work, and in this podcast, Yasser will tell us about his work and about atrial fibrillation also. So welcome to GP Works, Yasser. Thank you very much. And it's good to be here. Thanks for coming over to Ireland this wet, wet, wet and windy weather. And uh, not as wet as the UK. <laughs> no, so. Storm Dennis has just yeah. hit. So it's all, all cool. So yes, we're, we're really interested, firstly, about yourself and, and your working week and what, what's it look like at the moment for you? Well, I suppose I've developed what we, you would call a portfolio career. So I'm still very much uh, involved in general practice, which I enjoy. So frontline clinician there, do some cardiology. Um, used to actually up until recently do an echo session, echocardiography session in the community, but more so recently become involved in uh, strategic work. So as a cardiovascular network lead for quite a large region in uh, in England uh, called the East Midlands, which encompasses Nottinghamshire, Derbyshire, Leicestershire and uh, Northamptonshire. And essentially that's about uh, streamlining pathways, certain areas of medicine like heart failure, atrial fibrillation, cardiovascular aspects related to diabetes, just making sure that we have sort of a standardised approach uh, in primary care to, to, to address the unwarranted variation. And it's great that you've merged both mm. continued with the clinic work as well mm. as the as the strategic work. Do you feel is that important that you have both? You know, some people move totally into strategic work. Yeah, I think definitely it helps to have the uh, your foot into in clinical medicine because it's often um, it just gives you that greater credibility and also having that patient focus in in your strategic work. I think is important. And tell me, in terms of your GP training and what happened afterwards, how did you progress to, to get to this point? It was very haphazard, very ad hoc. I just followed my passion. So um, I think early on I decided I wanted to be a, a GP. I liked the idea of prevention and continuity of patient care that you get in general practice. But uh, I remember my house job was a cardiology job, and it was actually a very vivid memory of mine, a young lady coming into A&E in cardiac arrest my cardiology registrar sticking an echo probe on her and you can see this massive dilated uh, right side of the heart. I thought, God, she's having a PE. Uh, And I thought that's a great skill to have. And actually, my entry into cardiology uh, was stemmed from that moment. I just wanted to learn the skill of uh, echoing and I thought that would be quite a useful skill to have in, in primary care, especially with technology moving and the machines becoming more portable. So I spent a lot of my early career as a GP registrar learning how to echo and getting accredited in uh, echo. To do that, um, I had to, um, I asked one of, our, one of our local cardiologists to sort of oversee that uh, mentorship. Uh, but in return, you don't get anything for nothing. I had to do a lot of cardiology clinics. Okay. And two to three years later, I realised I actually had quite a lot of experience in uh, sort of general cardiology. Yeah. Uh, and then from that, uh, put in a business case in my local area to set up a community cardiology service with Echo in the community. Everything sort of developed from there. And you mentioned about the new technology, and we have yeah. a very active point-of-care ultrasound group here in the mm-hmm. college as well. Do you feel, will that you know, make it even easier for GPs to get involved, point-of-care devices? I think so, and I yeah. think it's... Uh, um, uh, the beauty of these technologies, uh, they, they're sort of multi-modality. Uh, so I can use my echo probe to look for gallstones. Yes. I can screen for uh, abdominal aortic aneurysms. Mm-hmm. And I think we're very well placed in general practice to 
have a holistic approach to care. I've always found it nonsensical why a patient goes for an echocardiogram, 75-year-old male, why wouldn't you just spend an extra two minutes looking at the uh, abdominal aorta? So that, you know, I think it's, we're well-placed in general practice to utilise these technologies uh, more. And looking back, is there anything, you know, what do you think are the takeaway messages from how you developed this portfolio career? Um, you mentioned it was sort of haphazard, and, and that served you well. Is there anything else you would do differently today if you had, uh, mm-hmm. if you were back, starting back again? I think, yeah, I'm glad it, you know, my trajectory uh, was as it was because I, I did actually follow my passion, but I could have easily reached the stage that I'm at now a lot earlier. Okay. But I think that would have been a, a less organic way of doing it. So I guess my take-home message is, follow your actual interests and passion rather than sort of trying to orchestrate your career maybe too early on. Yeah. I would strongly encourage though any young GP registrar out there at the moment, uh, I think it is very healthy, for, certainly from my personal experience, to have sort of a few strings to your bow, uh, being a portfolio GP. Um, it, I mean, we learn this in MRC GP, that burnout is uh, much less when you're doing different things uh, on different days rather than, you know, doing the same thing each day so uh, I think that's a really important aspect uh, of my career that I enjoy. So yes, so you're here in the ICGP today to a webinar on atrial fibrillation. Mm. It just reminds a bit about why atrial fibrillation is important in general practice or, or what, what are you doing with it at the moment? I mean for me, I mean the reason cardiology in particular wasn't just echocardiography actually, in, in general practice it became very obvious mm. that cardiology more so than any other specialty because of the incredible evidence base we have for treatments and the opportunity to make a difference and if you're in healthcare like I'm sure we all are really to improve outcomes of patients cardiology is the one specialty to to have an extra focus on you can add a tremendous number of years to life as well as a massive amount of life to years you know conditions like heart failure coronary disease but with AF in particular um, I think the opportunity is greatest because it's such a common condition. I mean, it's only recently been established that about one in four of us will actually end up with atrial fibrillation before we die. And then at the same time, it's become established as the leading independent risk factor for stroke, much higher risk than previously thought. And then the third important aspect is you've got phenomenal preventative treatments. You know, there aren't many treatments in medicine with a 65 70% relative risk reduction for preventing a cardiovascular event. So it's just for all for those reasons in particular. I think that's why certainly in the UK, it's one of our top three cardiovascular priorities is to hunt for an anticoagulate RAF patient. And as you just mentioned about hunting for atrial fibrillation, mm-hmm. do you think that using the pulse check or ECG, what what or how do you think it'll it'll evolve? Well, I mean the pulse check is probably the quickest, cheapest, most uh, efficient way for screening for AF. You can't diagnose AF, but uh, unless you're in complete heart block patients with AF will have a, an irregular pulse. I think technology again has come in and, and has sort of changed the landscape. Certainly in many areas in the UK we're using the portable ECG devices. I personally use the Cardia uh, Alive Core. They've just come up with a six lead one. Yeah, it's just been uh, available for the last few months. So within 30 seconds I can get a six lead ECG of a patient on my smartphone. Ideal for home visits, going to a nursing home, screening your relatives. I mean, I use it, when, I use it a lot when I go to uh, Indian weddings. I go to a lot of Indian weddings. I pick up a lot of AF because they've all got diabetes, hypertension and heart disease. You know, it's just the technology is there to actually establish a diagnosis very accurately, very quickly. Um, so it's been deployed now in, in, in primary care in, in the UK. 
And uh, in 2015, you were named Pulse GP of the Year for oh, your work in reducing yeah. emergency stroke admissions. Can you tell us about that project and what, what, what happened in it? Yeah, so this was all about, uh, I'm very proud of it. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be involved in any area of medicine in the rest of my career where, you know, responsible for reducing such a number of cardiovascular events. And it was a simple strategy of standardising uh, detection, uh, protection and perfection. Those were the three facets. We wanted to make sure that we're being robust in identifying AF, for instance, making sure that you know, if, if we know a, th a third to a quarter of the population are going to get AF, why aren't we screening patients with diabetes and hypertension as part of their routine annual review, patients attending flu clinics. So I've, I've done a lot of significant event reviews in AF stroke, and sadly 50% of patients who have a stroke due to AF were not previously diagnosed. And you look through the notes and you think, crikey, you had a diabetic review three months ago or a flu jab two months ago. You know, these were patients that were, there were clear opportunities to identify their AF. So, so we sort of mandated the use of a template which signposted uh, clinicians to uh, you know, screening for AF in certain individuals, high-risk individuals. And then we made the default to anticoagulate. And I think that's been the big sea change. We used to historically identify high-risk patients to uh, anticoagulate. Now... We know AF is such a big risk factor, really your default should be to anticoagulate unless you've got an incredibly good reason not to. And then the final component was on perfecting the anticoagulation. We sort of looked at our stroke data and realised there was still a number of patients having a stroke despite being on an anticoagulant. So there's a big drive towards in ensuring that we are monitoring uh, warfarin control more meticulously and maybe signposting the ones that weren't well controlled for reasons other than non-compliance to some of the newer treatment modalities. So, yes, I suppose finally for the busy GP, what would be your key take-home messages if they had someone in with atrial fibrillation? What would you want them to sort of think about when that person is sitting in front of them? Well, I'd even go one step further. Even if you didn't know someone had atrial fibrillation, I, I think we should almost think of atrial fibrillation as a, it's a race. Your job really is to try and identify and anticoagulate the patient before the stroke wins the race. At the moment, sadly, stroke is winning the race. Most patients who have an AF stroke, or about 50% anyway, weren't being diagnosed. But there are I've never done a significant event review where there wasn't an opportunity to prevent this. So just be fully aware that these patients are out there, they're very common, and, and, and just try and identify them with you know, pulse checks, uh, use some of the new technology, and default anticoagulate them. That's brilliant, Jasper, and thanks so much for such an overview of your career, and it's really interesting how you've managed to develop it. And also about atrial fibrillation, which, as you mentioned, is one really key topic, and particularly in general practice in Ireland as we start this new chronic disease programme as well, where it's one of the key conditions also. So that's it from GP Works for this episode. Uh, thank you to Yasser for joining us. Thank you uh, very much. We hope you like GP Works, and do remember there are more episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Do subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss out and let your colleagues know I'm Joe Gallagher, thanks for listening, and thanks again, yes sir. Thank you very much.